If you saw this in your yard, you would cringe. Okay? So. Okay. So, a while ago, a while ago, I said to Judy, his wife, wow, my grass is growing so fast, I got to mow it. Why do I mow my grass more often than you? Because, Jill, weeds grow faster than grass. Really? Really? Come on, Judy. Weeds grow. Yes, I have weeds in my yard. How many of them have weeds in your yard? Okay, I'm proud of them. Mike, I love you, buddy. I love his yard. You can go and lay in it. You could probably eat in it. You could, you could do all kinds. It's soft and squishy. I love his yard. Mine, you want to wear shoes in it. It usually dies and it dries up and it's hard. And I have a lot of weeds, okay? But Marcy, I hear you love dandelions. I heard that. Like, because you have a lot of them too. Yes. <clears throat> and facts. Facts, how many have a lot of dandelions? Oh, look at all these people. We love dandelions. Let me tell you something, okay? I was looking for these pictures online, and then all of a sudden I realized I could have went outside and took my own pictures. Like, I could have used real pictures from my yard. Okay, now, but isn't that beautiful? When that little child brings you those dandelions, and you're looking at that handful, and you're going... Oh, that is so sweet. I am so glad you brought me these. Let's put them in a little glass of water. And, and then you're like, well, except Marcy. Then you're like, oh, they died. They died. I'm sorry. Okay. But let me tell you something. Did you know that dandelions are very useful? They're very significant. And I cannot read that little writing on there. So I'm going to look up at the board here. Dandelions are very significant. They help strengthen bones. They make dandelion tea. They make dandelion wine. They use the dandelion root. They have organic products that you can actually take dandelion root. It brings liver health, helps treat jaundice. It helps aid in weight loss. Ooh. It helps uh, dandelion juice is useful in treating acne. It reduces risk of cancer and urinary tract infections. Look at all that. Dandelion milk is useful for treating skin diseases, lowers blood pressure. Can you believe that that weed that some people say is that useful? And I learned this. It's one of the flowers that doesn't need to pollinate to reproduce. You know the little white things that blow? The wind reproduces them. And that's why my neighbor has them now too. Because his grass before we moved in used to be completely green and nice. Maybe that's why we had to start mowing his grass. But now he's got dandelions every once in a while in his yard. And I'm like, yep, that's from my yard. So now it has moved over, and it doesn't even need a male and female to pollinate and make more. It can do it on its own. That is pretty cool, isn't it? So let me tell you something. You are significant. 
just like dandelions, we look at them as being useless. Yeah, they, they have color, but most of the time it's a negative connotation when it's in your yard. I have to tell you, it is. It's not a, it's not a good thing when you see all those stems that are sticking up this much higher than the rest of your yard. It's not a good thing. But they are very significant in what you can do with dandelions. So let me ask you, how many of you guys today look at what you are as being insignificant? Because I guarantee you that God has put things in you that you don't even know you have. You're this beautiful flower waiting to bloom. You don't even know the significance of you. So today I want to talk about John 4. And we're not going to read the whole verse or the whole chapter, but I want you to write down or mentally note John 4. Because as my husband talked about a couple weeks ago, clarity. Clarity is going to take this scripture and go home and read for yourself John 4. Because it doesn't take somebody else to feed you the word, to teach you the word. It takes you sitting down and reading the word and letting God minister to you through his word. So I want you to take John 4 home later and I want to read it. I want you to study it. But let me just give you a synopsis of John 4. We all know this is the woman at the well. Now let me tell you, she is a Samaritan woman. And if we know anything about Samaritans, the Jews did not like them. They were a mixed breed. So they were part Jewish and they were part whatever else, Gentile. So they came together and it was a whole new culture that developed. And you know, I read that that Jewish people would even, if they could take their time getting somewhere and didn't have to go through Samaria, they would. That is how bad they did not want to talk to Samaritans. And so here's Jesus who is now going from Judea to Galilee. And Judea is in the south and Galilee's in the north. And guess what is right in the middle? Samaria. So Jesus is going through Samaria, and he has his disciples with him. So he comes through Samaria. Now, do you think Jesus did not plan this? I mean, really. Do you think he did not already have this plan in his mind? You know, when coaches coach a team, they don't go into the game and go, oh, I don't know what's going on here. I don't know what I'm going to do. No, they go in with a plan. In fact, they've usually studied the other team. How many of you have been in sports in your lifetime and you actually sat and watched videos of the other team playing so you could get an understanding of what's going to happen? You prepare yourself. So I guarantee you Jesus knew exactly what was going to happen. So he goes and he finds this well. Now, this woman came by herself to the well. That's another thing you got to realize. Women did the watering. They're the ones who carried the water and went to the well. That was woman's work. That was, I heard that, Dad. Boy, I know his voice. Man, 
That's woman's work. Go into the well. Oh, can you get me back on? So here it is. Now, remember, being back in those days, there's no cell phone to call a woman up and say, hi, what you doing? There's no texting going on to say, hey, my kid just did this. There's nothing communication-wise between these women. They worked. But guess what? I heard that again. But guess what? This woman came to the well by herself. But women usually took that as their social time and went together. So right there, you can see she's an outcast. This woman is an outcast. She's not liked by the other women in the community, or she would have been with them. How many of us feel sometimes that we're an outcast, that we're not special, that we don't have a place? How many of us sometimes, even men at your workplace, all the other men are talking together, but they leave you out? Or so-and-so's talking behind your back? And they make you feel what? Insignificant. Maybe not purposefully, but that's what happens. Because remember, the tongue is like a two-edged sword. And what comes from the mouth sometimes can hurt others really bad. And so Jesus wants us to guard our mouths and our tongues. But, but it makes us feel insignificant. How many times do we fail at a, a test in school? Or, or we get a bad grade? Or we don't perform well at a solo and ensemble competition? Or something happens and, you know, we just look at ourselves as being insignificant. I'm just insignificant. I'm not pretty. I look in the mirror. I got weight in areas I didn't intend for it to come. I, maybe my muscles aren't big enough. Or whatever it may be, yours are, babe. <laughs> whatever it may be, we look at ourselves and we put ourselves down. And what voice are we listening to? We're listening to that voice that says, you're insignificant. But God is looking at you going, what? Do I create anything that is not significant and worthy? I have created you in my image. So are you telling me that I'm not significant? Are you telling me that I have made a mistake in creating you, in who you are? So the woman at the well comes to Jesus, and he's sitting there. And they are not supposed to talk to women, Jews, and they're not supposed to talk to Samaritans. Double whammy right there. And Jesus sends his disciples in town to get food. And guess what? Game on. He had it planned from the very beginning that he would have a personal encounter with this lady who is insignificant at the well. He chose her. He chose her. And he says to her as they talk, he says, can I have a drink, please? 
And can you imagine her look on her face? She had been like, what? And she reminds him, I am a woman. I am a Samaritan. You're not supposed to be talking to me. Does he care? Does he care? He goes in to talk about, I, if you only knew who I am, I could give you living water that you would never thirst again. This lady at the well was like, sign me up. If I don't have to come and work so hard and I can make my life easier and not have to carry this bottle to the well and carry it back for miles, sign me up. I want that water. But what she doesn't understand is it's not liquid water. He's offering her the Holy Spirit, the living water that bubbles out of us. We have the Holy Spirit in us, and it bubbles out. And we can come back. We will not be thirsty anymore because as often as we feed on the word, we have the living water. So Satan wants to come, and he wants to shoot your weed. And he wants to tell you, you are insignificant. You do not matter. You're ugly. You have no gifts, no talents, so just keep your mouth shut. Oh, don't pray for that person. No, 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 no. Don't pray for that person. Because your prayer, it won't even make sense. Don't do it. Don't do it. How many of you guys love Roundup? Look at my little nozzle broke. Ooh, it's dripping all over. Yes. Okay. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you, don't listen to that voice. Do not listen to that voice because you are significant. So this lady at the well says to him, well, you know, who am I? And, and Jesus starts to tell her, about how she has had not one husband, but five. And the one you're living with now is not even your husband. What? How do you know this about me? You must be a prophet. You must be a prophet. And he goes on to tell her different things and communicating with her. And it's out of love. It's out of love. It's not out of conviction of you know, shame on you, get your life right. How many of you guys hear that in your mind at times? You shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't, you shouldn't do that because that's wrong. Yeah, that's the Holy Spirit trying to lead, direct, and guide you. But if you're feeling really, really bad, condemned to the point where you don't even want to come to church because you feel like people are going to judge you and look at you, that's the wrong voice. Because Jesus loves. He lovingly leads, guides, and directs us. So this woman is so incredibly excited because she says, well, I know that the Messiah is coming and he's going to explain all this. And right after he tells her about the husbands, she tries to derail him and says, well, why do Jews only think that we can worship in one place? Why do they think that? And he tries to get her back on track. 
get her back on track. Don't worry about that. That'll come later. But I'm telling you, people will worship me in spirit and in truth. Spirit and in truth, because he knows the Holy Spirit will be in us, and we will worship with our spirits. I'm telling you, I love praise and worship. Now, I, I can say that in my mind, I think music will play all the time. Like, I can turn the volume up and down because I'm just wired that way. How many of you guys feel that? You're just kind of wired that way where you kind of feel like, ooh, it's not loud enough. I could turn it up a little bit. That's kind of the way my brain works. Now, some of you might not feel that way. So I encourage you, if you feel like you can't sing during praise and worship because your voice, if anybody hears it, they may leave the church or if you feel like you have no rhythm, so you don't want to clap because you may throw somebody off next to you, then I encourage you to find another way to worship your Savior. Because the Bible says we will worship him in spirit and in truth. And so you need to find a way that your spirit can worship God. Because if you don't worship, if you're not pouring out your worship, you're going to be like a dead sea of drying up. I'm telling you what, I get so excited when I get to come and worship the Lord. Whether I'm up here playing and, and singing, whether I'm down here worshiping, wherever, whether I'm in my car. Oh, my daughter gets so mad at times when I sit there at the stoplight and I'm going like this to the song. as I'm, And she's like, Mom, 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 they're going to look at us. I don't care. I am worshiping my Savior I don't care. Now, sometimes just to annoy her, I do do it a little bit different. However, I am telling you what. You know, this is just a freebie. On game day, okay, we're talking on game day and the coach is going in and they got everything planned out and they know exactly the opponent's plays and, and everything. Don't you think that you need to know what button in you Satan can trigger? Don't you think you need to figure out what your trigger button is because I'm telling you Satan your opponent he knows it and he wants to push that button as often as he can and if you are unaware of what button that is you need to figure out what button you have that Satan can trigger that he can bring you down he can discourage you he can make you feel insignificant because I'm telling you what Jesus does not make insignificant people. He does not make insignificant people. Each one of us had a plan. Each one of us. I'm telling you, for he formed you in your mother's womb. I will give thanks to you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Psalms 139. He formed you. He took you as significant and he put you in your mother's womb and he says, you know what, Vito, I have a purpose and a plan for you and I'm going to put you in your mother's womb and I'm going to send you to your parents because there is something, Vito, that you're going to do for God's glory. Doesn't God care for even the sparrows? Yet not one of them is forgotten before God. Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. He has to count 
more on some than others. Do not fear you are more valuable than sparrows. Luke 12, 6-7. Do you see that? He feeds the sparrows of the air. They go without want. They have food. They don't worry about it. How much more does he care about you? You are significant. Sometimes, Jen, changing dirty diapers multiple times a day, you can start and feel insignificant. But can I tell you what? I said to Jensen this morning, as I walked in on him in the bathroom, and he went, and I am like, Jensen, don't you remember till you were three, mommy changed your diaper. I've seen it all. I know everything about you. He don't care, though. But look at him now. He blessed my heart as he walked down here as I'm worshiping God and says, Mommy, can I pray for you? Do you see the love you pour into them, Jen, at that age and changing their diapers and taking care of them and nurturing them and loving them and teaching them right from wrong and leading them in the scriptures and raising them in the church and bringing them, no matter if they want to come or not. I don't care. I'm your parent, and I know what's best for you. That's the product of what you get. I'm not saying I, I know I'm going to continue to train him and continue to raise him, continue to train my daughter. But there's a difference. You train them in love. You train them in love. You don't just yell at them and say, you can't do this. You show them in the word of God. You bring it into them and teach them. You can't expect a Sunday morning to bring your kids to children's church or to bring yourself to church and grow. You have to miracle grow. The word of God living inside of you is what will make you grow. I'm telling you, do not be spoon-fed your whole life. That Pastor Jim or whoever comes up here stands from the platform and has to teach you. I'm telling you, God made you significant. He made you for a purpose because Pastor Jim cannot go to your friends. He cannot go to your workplace. He cannot go places that God is sending you. And don't listen to the enemy who is saying... Oops, sorry. Do not listen to the enemy who is saying, you cannot pray. You cannot make a difference. Who do you think you are? You don't know the word of God like you should. You don't have the word hidden in your heart. Well, then get it. Pick up your sword and fight him. I am so tired of the enemy coming after us and us being in chains and feeling like we can't do anything. We can. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. When you pull the word of God out, that's when Satan runs. In the wilderness. And Jesus is out there for 40 days. He is being tempted by Satan. 
And what does Satan bring to Jesus? He brings him scripture because Satan knows the word. He was an angel. He was created by God. But he wanted to be God. And his pride got him in trouble. He knows the scripture. But I'm telling you, he doesn't understand it anymore. We understand and know and we have the power and the authority in, through Jesus Christ. He says, you will do greater things than me. You will do greater things than me. I didn't, last time I checked in my word, it wasn't Pastor Jim will do greater things than me. You will do greater things. Hobie, you go out into those houses and grab arthritic hands and pray for them. You do it. Because I have created significance in you because you know who I am. Significance comes from knowing who your creator is. And don't forget that. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare and not for calamity. To give you a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29 and 11, 29, 11. You know, we will go through things. We will have trials and tribulations. The Bible says that once you accept Jesus into your heart, doesn't mean you're going to have an easy road. In fact, I like it because what happens is when you get into the word of God, when you're studying it, when you're growing and you know who he is, the devil wants you more. If you don't have problems in your life right now, you need to re-examine your walk with Christ. Because come on. I said to someone the other week, I said, you know what, I'm okay. I'm okay with hearing that negativity and that going on behind my back. It's okay because you know what, the devil knows that I'm significant in Christ. And you know what, bring it on, Satan. Bring it on. I know the end of the story. I know the end of the story. Sue, I picked this picture just for you. Because I know, Sue, you love the beach. So I picked it just for you. Do you see how it works? Sue didn't know that when I'm putting my sermon together, I'm thinking and praying for her. That is being significant. We are here to lift people up, to encourage them, to teach them about God, to disciple them, send them out. Send them out. Jesus, what did he do? He sent out his disciples. He sent them two by two. One person. You know, you can minister in a home but I'm telling you, how much more is it when Brian's back there praying that what you're doing, Hobie, is going to be led by God? Two by two. It's encouraging. You need to find a two by two. You need to find someone to be a prayer partner with, to be accountable with. Maybe it's your husband. Maybe it's, maybe it's your child once you get grown. Maybe it's your mom. But I'm telling you, God put significance in you to go and do the work. 
Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. Does that sound like a God who doesn't care about you? That's the voice of the enemy. It's the voice of the enemy. When you get heavy laden and burdened and you got too much work on your back, Vito, you let it go and what happens? You get it the next day because you surrendered it. When we try to carry it on us, oh, the weight of it can bring us down. We can get discouraged. And that's right where Satan wants to keep you because when you are mindset of self and inner and what's going on in me and oh woe is me and I'm so discouraged and I'm so downcast and I'm worthless and I'm nothing and I'm insignificant guess what guess what Satan's got you right where he wants you because you are incapable of sharing God with people when your focus is on yourself. I am telling you, the most joy I get is when I get to come and pray with people. That's why I love Sunday so much. But I'm telling you, it can happen every day. Thursday, I got the opportunity at work to pray over a lady for healing. And I cannot wait to hear what happens. I cannot wait. Now, if I listen to the voice in my head that's saying, well, you haven't seen very many healings, and, um, you know, your rib's still hurting, and your pancreas is still broke, and those nodules are still on your voice, and your back's in pain. It's not about me. It's not about me. I don't care if God healed me right now or not. I am still, his desire is to heal me. Don't, let him, don't, let, don't get that wrong. But I am still going to pour out for him. Because it's not about me. It is about him. He went to the cross. He died. He held on to that whipping post and got whipped for my sickness and your sickness. So I believe that he wants to take care of it all. He paid the price for it. But if I stay in my own mindset of, oh, well, you haven't seen healings and you didn't get healed, Jill. And, and people you prayed for didn't get healed, Jill. So why would you pray today? Especially at work. Especially not in the church. Oh, come on. This is like the most comfortable environment you could be in to pray for people. But if I didn't pray for her, that would have made me insignificant. Because God told me to pray for her. She was a lawyer. I could get in trouble. Because I'm not allowed to do that at my job. But let me tell you what, I serve a bigger king and a bigger lawyer than what, now, I did tell her, okay, your office visit is over right now, completely over. Your visit is done. Now, can I lay hands on you and pray for you? And she just smiled with tears in her eyes. That is the significance that all of us possess, is being significant in Christ. He did not put you on this earth to worry about you. I'm sorry to tell you. 
He did not put you on this earth to be so inner focused that it's all about you. He, he didn't put me on this earth that it's all about me. I'm going to just tell you a little story that happened. Three years ago, one time I decided I'm going to take all my kids' clothes and the ones they're not, and I'm going to go to a consignment store and I'm going to sell them back and see what I could get. And then that way I could like buy them new clothes. Before I had just always given the clothes away, you know. But this time I got this bright idea. So I took the clothes and they were going to give me money and all this. And we started talking about something else. And all of a sudden, I'm going to leave, and I, I said to the person, I said, well, you didn't pay me. And the person looked at me and said, oh, yes, I did. No, guaranteed you didn't. Oh, yes, I did. No, no, I don't have it. And I just went to the bank, and so I had money in my, pot, my purse, and I'm like, no, there's not the extra. <coughs> and the lady got real frazzled or frazzled, frazzled. And so she was like, okay, we're here. And she gave me the money, and I left. And I get a call later that night that said, well, our drawer was this much short, so I know I gave you the money. <gasps> oh, my word. I guarantee you that money was not given to me. Guarantee you. And that whole night I kept saying to my husband, what am I, I don't, I, I don't, I, just that and I woke up in the morning, and I said to my kids, I'm going back. I'm going to give her the money back. Not that I did anything. I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I did nothing. But my light will shine in any darkness. And money is not worth anything. Money is the root of all evil. And if you cannot give it away, I'm telling you, I'm going to spray it out with, get that root out, okay? Because it's the root. Get it? Root. Root of all evil, the Bible says. So I went to this lady and I said, you know what? I'm not doing this without Jesus being center. So I went to this lady and I said, you know what? I just want to let you know that I follow Christ in everything that I do. And I don't really know what happened to this money. I have no idea. However, I would never want one person on this earth to look at me or think of me as a cheat or that I did something wrong or illegal. No amount of money is worth that to me. And I gave her the money back, and I said, I want you to keep this. And she was like, and I'm like, no, seriously. And she's like, well, I don't know what happened. I'm like, listen, it doesn't matter. But I do not want this to ever. I want to walk into your store and you look at me knowing that I am an honest person. It's not worth it to me. And so, you know, I left. Now, I can always say, say I had to get over that one for a while. Because, you know, our flesh, we fight with our flesh. And I didn't go there for a few months. But then God convicted me of that. Just like a restaurant, Mike. God convicted me of that and said, no. Do you forgive? Because, see, if you don't forgive, then how can Jesus forgive you? That's what the Bible says, not me. 
If you can't forgive your neighbor, then how can Jesus forgive you? Woo. And so guess what? I shop there now. And I've shopped there off and on. And she hasn't been in there like it's always been other people. So this is awesome. What night was it? Friday night, Jensen and I had a date night. And I took him out. We went and got dinner together. And we went. He needed new jeans. So we went to this consignment store. And when I walked up to the register, this lady was there. Three years later, this lady's here. And she says to me, have you sold here before? And in my heart, I'm like, oh, like I don't want to say yes. I said, yes. And she, well, what's your name? It's Jill Barton. And her face just went. And she goes, you know what? I don't know what happened. She goes, I know it was a long time ago. She goes, and I'm really sorry about all that that happened. And I couldn't, I have never been able to let this go. She goes, do you know people walk in here and rip me off all the time by putting on Ugg boots and walking out and leaving their junk boots? And, and she says, I could not believe how honest you were. She goes, in that time, I was just starting, and my store wasn't doing well, and, and that money, that was like a big amount of money for me. And she goes, and I was afraid that I was going to have to shut the, and we had taken a loan out on our house, and we had done this and done that, and, and she's telling me all this. And I looked at her, and, I'm, and she goes, you just take those jeans. I've credited your account. You take those jeans. I'm like, no, no, it's okay. Like, I don't know what happened either, but I, I just know that I would never want someone to look at me in that light. No, no, you take those jeans. You take them, and I've credited your account. Three years later, because I was significant, and my light shone in the darkness. Sometimes we don't think our light is shining, but I am telling you, people are watching you. Are you going to choose to be significant for Christ? Or are you going to choose to let Satan squirt you with Roundup? And I said to her, listen, I said, I want to pray blessings over your business. I want to pray blessings over your family and your finances. I didn't leave there without God speaking. Because I don't want it to ever have the light on me. I want to be his light and let him shine. But that one blew me away. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart, because I have overcome the world. That's how significant you are. He overcame the world just for you. Jesus would have went to the cross just for you. And so no matter what you're going through today, no matter Who's whispering in your ear about you being a nobody or a nothing? Or how are you going to pay this bill next week? Or how are you going to pay your car payment? Or is your car even going to start when you go out into the parking lot? I'll tell you what, you lay hands on that car and you tell it, it's starting. Because he overcame the world. And I am going to be the light in the world. He overcame it. Billy Graham, 
He says the Christian life is not a constant high. I have my moments of deep discouragement. But what does he do? But I have to go to God in prayer with tears in my eyes and say, Oh God, forgive me or help me. Because I'm telling you, trials will come your way. Discouragement can happen. But where do you turn? Do you turn and listen to it? Or do you go before God and say, God, forgive me. If there is something in my life, prune me so I can be more like you. Go to God and and get it out and cry before him and say, oh, Lord, help me. Because he's the only one that can. Calling up your neighbor and talking about your other neighbor is not going to help the situation. In fact, it's going to make you look like darkness in this world. Be the light of the world. Be the light of the world. Never think that what you have to offer is insignificant. There will always be someone out there that needs what you have to give. I'm telling you. As my husband said this morning, water yourself, water your wife, water your family, water your children in the word. Miracle grow them. Plants will grow, but they grow better when they're nourished. Nourish yourself in the word. Get into understanding who he is and how much he loves you. And as you do that, your significance is going to arise in times. You will see things with new eyes. You will have new hearts. You will have new hands. You will go into the world, and you will be the light in the world, and you will make disciples. That is what we are to do. And so today, don't feel insignificant. Don't feel insignificant. Jesus died on the cross for you, that you may be set free. Mercy and grace given. And by understanding who he is, brings the most significance you will ever have and experience in your life because he wants you to take it to the world. So come on up, Sonny. So today as we close, first of all, I want to just ask if anybody is in here that has not given their life to Christ, who has not surrendered it all, who, has, who, who right now is under that, that squirting effect of Satan that says you can't do it, you are not a child of God. And, and like Art said last week, maybe you have at one point, but you still are not sure what this whole thing's about. If that's you, I just want, I just want to pray for you today. 
if you could just slip your hand up this morning, if that is you, if you feel like you have never really fully surrendered to God and said, God, I want to make you Lord and Savior of my life. Now, thank God everyone in here has done that. Now, if you say, Pastor Jill, I want more. I want more. I want to I want to show my significance to Satan and say, "You know what, Satan? Beat it, buddy. I want more." And I want to commit today to Christ in knowing him more, getting in my word, being a discipler and a disciple because God wants you to minister to others. He wants you to take people under your wing and start teaching them what you've learned along the journey. Because if you just continue, if you just continue to be watered and watered and watered and watered and watered and watered and you never grow out, you become a dead sea. And you know, in the, it, things don't grow in the dead sea. You got to have in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. So if you say, you know what, Pastor Jill, I want more. I want more, and I want to I commit in front of everybody today that, you know what, I can watch less things on the TV or play less video games or, or go to less, you know, movies or I can, or do less family, whatever it is. Not family things. Family's important too. But you can always make time for God and in his word, whether you have to get up 15, 20, 30, 50, 60, 80 minutes early, and get in his word. But if you want to say today, I commit to that because I want to grow in him. Raise your hand up today. I commit to it. I want to grow more in him. I want to know him more. I want to, I want to turn my significant light on. <laughs> Praise God. Let's pray today. Dear God, we pray for each person today that raised their hand, Lord. They have a desire in them. God, I pray that you would continue to light that fire in them. Put the fire in their bones, dear God, that they need to share it with everybody they come in contact with. God, because you have put us on the earth to do greater things. And we know that we are significant because you formed us in our mother's womb and you sent us to this earth to do your will and your purpose. God, I pray that each one in this room would come to that understanding of who they are in Christ and that we can make a declaration today, God, that we're going to put some miracle grow on us. We are going to put some miracle grow. And when we do that, we're going to walk in miracles. We are going to see things happen like never before because the power and the authority of an almighty God is going to rise up in us as we get to know our Father more and more. I pray in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, I pray it, amen. Can I share just one more thing real quick? When we come with a heart of anticipation of meeting our Savior, it's contagious. It's contagious. When you come to church, you're ready. And you're ready. I tell you what, it's contagious. When you come ready to worship Him, 
It's contagious. When you come being a mopey person on a log, tired, oh, I'm going because my wife's making me or my husband's making me. I'm telling you what, we feel it. Come on, get this contagiousness in your bones. There is no place I'd rather be than at the foot of Jesus praising him. So I look at it as the fourth quarter, the last minute of the game. This is it. It's tied, 7-7, and they're running for a field goal. I don't know football. They're running for a touchdown. <laughs> I look at it. Hallelujah. I Hallelujah. look at it as, you know what, guys? This is the last inning. Jesus is up on the cross. He's up on the cross. And the people, we're cheering because we know the end. We know the end. And the Father has to turn away. And Jesus dies. But he says, forgive them, Lord, because they do not know what they've done. And the touchdown. And no, it was fumbled. And one team's screaming, yeah. And the other team is like, oh, no, boo. And Jesus gets put into that grave. And he's gone for three days. And the teams are fighting. One's like, yeah, Satan, yeah. And the people who love Jesus are like, oh, we lost the game. But I'm telling you, fourth quarter, three days, and Jesus arises. He arises. How exciting is that? And the team goes wild. Ah! I'm telling you, we should be at fourth quarter coming to church. We should be excited because we won the game. We won the game. And then we take it and we brag to everybody. Hey. Did you know that Jesus is our Savior? Did you know he rose from the dead? Did you know that he is the light of the world and we are the light because we are the chosen ones of Christ? Did you know? Did you know? Did you know that he's called me? Did you know that I'm a chosen one of God? That's what we do. We go out to the world and we say, did you know? Because we're bragging on who he is. So come on, guys. It's fourth quarter. How are you going to react? Fourth quarter. Yes. Come on. Come on. Let's stand.